Hello, welcome back to episode 4 of the MMI podcast, Medicine and Wellness. I'm Gwyneth. And I'm Amelia. And we will be both hosting for today's episode. Yes, I'm so excited. Did you enjoy our previous episode on why diets don't work? What do you think about it? It's a great talk. After listening to the previous episode, I have a clearer view on the holistic approach in achieving a successful diet. Besides taking care of the mental health, like what Simon has mentioned, diet varies according to each individual. So it is very important to find a type of diet that suits you most. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, let's focus on today's episode. So, what will we be talking about today? Have a guess. You know what? I'll give you a hint. Miss Simone is back with us today for another episode. She's a clinical dietitian who is currently working at a Nutrafis, who is also graduate from International Medical University with great clinical experiences. Hmm, since we are having a dietitian today, I'm sure our topic today will revolve around diet. So it's diet and... Yes, you're almost there. Diet and the cardiovascular disease. Wow. Nice to have you back with us again, Simon. Hi! Thank you for having me again. Okay, so as we know, cardiovascular disease is one of the top killer diseases not only in Malaysia, but worldwide too. There are several risk factors, for example, hypertension, smoking, or a strong family history of heart disease can cause an individual to suffer from this. So do you know that nutrition can actually affect cardiovascular disease directly by contributing to the accumulation of vascular plaques? Of course, there are medications and surgical interventions to counter this problem. However, we should never neglect the dieting aspect in part of the management. Yeah, sure. Let's dive right into the topic. Yes, food is highly involved as one of the risk factors of heart health. By paying attention to what we eat is one of the most important preventive measures we can do. So a diet consisting of high amounts of fat and cholesterol can cause our blood cholesterol to rise, increasing the risk of fatty deposits to build up and increase the rate of heart attacks. Oh, speaking of which, I believe that many people might be confused with the terms fat and cholesterol as they seem alike and interchangeable. However, they are different. Can you please explain briefly on this and give our listeners suggestions on the right intake of cholesterols? Yes, sure. Well, many people kind of get confused when it comes to like, the different types of fats out there and what is cholesterol, what is this, what is that. So when it comes to fat, it is a very important macronutrient in our body. However, it gets a bad rep, even though we need to eat them every day. So finding a right and balanced intake of fat is essential too. Too much or too little does affect our health. So you might be wondering, is fat really that important for my body? Yes, they are. Dietary fats provide energy, support cell growth. They help to protect our organs, store fat-soluble vitamins, regulate and produce hormones too. So definitely, your body needs them. So back to the question on the difference between fat and cholesterol. So there are four major dietary fats in food sources. The very first one is called saturated fat. Secondly, trans fat. Third is monounsaturated fat. And lastly, polyunsaturated fat. So these four fats have different chemical structures and physical property. So how do you tell them apart? 
Saturated fat and trans fat are normally foods that are solid in room temperature, for example, butter, while monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats are normally liquid form at room temperature, for example, vegetable oil. So when it comes to cholesterol, it's actually a waxy substance found in foods we eat and in our body cells. So our body actually also needs some cholesterol to function normally. And there are three types of cholesterol in our body, which are the short form of all these are HDL, LDL, and VLDL. So then there is another type of fat that you normally see in lab tests, which are called triglycerides. So these are specifically a type of fat where it indicates if a high triglyceride level may be a sign of excess body fat or maybe an increased risk of type 2 diabetes. They may be also a signal that you're consuming too much calories, especially from refined foods or grains and beverages with added sugars. So what is the relationship between cholesterol and heart diseases? So when cholesterol, it can actually join with other substances to form a thick heart deposit on the inside of our arteries. This can narrow the arteries and make them feel less flexible. So if a blood clot is formed or blocks one of these narrow arteries, a heart attack or stroke can happen. So high cholesterol is one of the major controllable risk factors for any heart diseases. So if one of the risk factors other than just high cholesterol, such as smoking, high blood pressure, diabetes, or very bad lifestyle, the risk of having all these heart disease actually increases. So the more risk factors, the more severe they are, and the more likely this risk compounded. Yeah, I agree with you. Often in the clinical setting, besides medications, we have to also advise patients on their food intake. There are also unavoidable occasions where they have to eat outside, and there wouldn't be food available that fits their health preference. So Simok, would you like to share with us how you would educate or manage the diets of these patients who are suffering from heart diseases? Yes. Okay. So I actually have three main points when it comes to managing heart diseases. The very first one is to limit the intake of high fat and high cholesterol foods. Secondly is to limit sodium intake and lastly is to ensure sufficient intake of water. So let me go through each main point in detail on how you can actually properly manage all these three aspects. So we're going back to the first one, which is limiting the intake of high fat and high cholesterol foods. So these foods are normally found in the skin or the fat from meats, red meats, or you can look at butter, processed meats, organs, or shellfish. So we have to remember to choose the food that provides good fats. So aiming for a dietary pattern that consists of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, low-fat dairy, uh, selecting lean meats, fish and nuts. So how should we apply this in our daily lives? So for example, when we're eating out, when you're going out to eat and you see like all the very, very delicious foods and like, oh my gosh, which one is one, tastes good, and two less in fat. So we take a look at the menu and we choose the dishes based on their cooking method. So for example, when, when you look at the menu, they actually describe how the food is actually prepared. So you can choose for an option that is baked, steamed, soup-based, boiled, grilled, broiled, or stew. Or if they say they do not have the description in the menu, 
um, for example, if you go to a mixed rice store and there's so many food options, but you're not sure whether the food is high in fat or uh, high in calories. So choose the food with the least shine or gloss on it. Because normally, the most shiniest food contains the highest amount of fat. Or the food that is uh, extra crispy or crunchy, those also contains high in salt and high in fat. So moving on, when especially when you're cooking at home or preparing foods, so how you can actually reduce um, high fat or cholesterol is one, change your cooking methods that requires less oil. So back to the similar um, cooking methods that I mentioned previously. Or you can use a non-stick pan. So when you use a non-stick pan, it requires less oil as well when you're cooking. And then um, when you're preparing um, meats, it's best to also remove the fat and skin from the meats. Like, for example, chicken or poultry. And also when you're cooking, you can use like, vegetable oils such as olive oil, canola, and sunflower. And then when you are also cooking like very delicious curries, maybe instead of using santan, you can replace it with milk. Or you can half santan, half milk, as long as you're reducing the fat and the cholesterol and then when you're cooking also another way you can reduce the fat is you can take a like when you're cooking food that has high in oil you can actually take a kitchen towel or you can just drain the excess oil and then moving on is recipe modification so if there are listeners out there who love to cook there are also ways you can also reduce the fats or high fat foods First is to replace the santan with milk or low-fat yogurt when you're cooking. Or second, whenever you go out, uh, the dairy products that you buy, choose low-fat milk instead of full cream milk. And then secondly is when you're going out to buy foods, is to look at the food label and avoid the words trans fat. Or sometimes when, if you're a butter fan, you can swap out butter or lard with healthy vegetable oils. Or instead of eating whey or curry puffs very often you can limit the intake and you can replace it with fruits nuts and seeds so moving on to limiting the sodium intake so why sodium is very important is when there's extra sodium in your bloodstream it pulls the water into your blood vessels therefore increasing the volume of the blood inside them with more blood flowing through your blood vessels blood pressure increases it's like turning the water supply in your garden hose like that when you turn on the tap. And the pressure of the hose just increases as more water is blasted through. So over time, high blood pressure may overstretch or injure your blood vessels walls. And it speeds up the build-up of those gunky plaques that can block blood flow. So this added pressure tires out the heart and forcing it to work harder to pump blood through the body. So how do we actually overcome or limit our sodium intake is also based on how we eat out, how we prepare our food, and picking the right type of food. So when we eat out, what I'll suggest is to choose healthy cooking methods, as I mentioned before. Secondly, is to reduce the intake of condiments, such as tomato or chili sauce, budu, belachan, or kichap. Those foods actually contain high in sodium. Or better yet, reduce the times of eating out. Because most foods sold outside are normally high in sodium. That's why they taste so amazing. And when we prepare food at home, we want to, I encourage to reduce the usage of salt during cooking. So during food preparation, it is to reduce the usage of salt during cooking. Now you might be wondering, how am I going to make my food delicious and flavorful without adding salt? Well, you can replace it with spices or herbs. 
such as onions, shallots, lime, lemongrass, garlic, kunyit, powders, oregano, thyme, or pepper, and the list goes on. Just based on your recipe, you can just add those flavors to make your dish extra yummy. Secondly, is to limit the intake of canned foods and also salted foods such as salted egg, salted fish, and then limit the intake of processed meats and added flavoring such as stock cubes, belachan, chinchalo, kichap, and budu. So when we go grocery shopping, it's also to pick out the right kind of snacks when we, whenever we go buy our groceries. First of all, is to reduce the intake of packaged snacks, such as chips. Or if we go outside and buy our snacks, is to also to reduce the intake of keropok, kerepeks, or salted nuts. And secondly, is to replace our snacks with fresh fruits or foods with no added salt. So you can actually take a look at the label. If it says no added salt, that's a good option. And thirdly is to read the food labels at the ingredient list to find the hidden names of salt. And they come with very, very different names. They can be named as sodium alginate, sodium sulfate, sodium cassinate, monosodium glutamate, and sodium citrate. The list goes on, but you can see the word sodium, then that's most probably food that contains salt. And lastly is to look out food labels that says low sodium, low salt, or salt-free. So those are the food that I would highly recommend um, you can buy and snack on. And lastly is to ensure sufficient intake of water, meaning at least 8 glasses of water a day to keep your body hydrated, to help the body to pump more blood easily and allow oxygen to enter the muscles and work efficiently. If the body is dehydrated, the blood retains more sodium, therefore thickening it and making it harder for the blood to flow around the body. Wow, thank you for all those suggestions from you, Simon. So, I suppose that besides fat, sodium, and water, we can't neglect fiber from a healthy diet too, right? Yes, fiber is definitely heart healthy. Not only it has the function to maintain our bowel health, but having fiber intake helps to lower cholesterol levels and better control blood glucose levels too. So soluble fibers may help in lowering the total cholesterol and the LDL levels in the body. Studies have also shown that high-fiber foods may have other heart health benefits as well, such as reducing blood pressure and inflammation. So one tip is to incorporate as many fiber-rich foods into your diet, such as swapping out certain foods that you normally eat, such as when you normally eat white rice, you can replace it with brown rice. Or when it comes to white breads, you can replace it to whole meals. Biscuits as well, um, if you read the food labels, it says whole meal, whole grain. Those are very good options. Or if you are a home baker, normally you use plain flour, you can replace it to whole wheat flour or wheat flour. And normally if you go to Marmax, you eat roti, plain roti. You can also replace it with chapati. And lastly, if you prepare fruit juice, you can also replace it with actual fruit. Because when you make fruit juice, you tend to take away the fiber and you just drink the juice only. But I wouldn't recommend you just to completely swap out. If you're not comfortable with it, just slowly make small changes as in your diet. It is recommended to also have 5 to 7 servings of fiber-rich foods. For example, in a day, you can have a combination of different servings of vegetables, fruits, legumes, and whole grain foods. 
Oh, so uh, we should always remember to have uh, fiber in our diet. Lah. Um, so, Simon, there's one Malaysian study suggesting that fat are actually not the major heart disease culprit. Instead, it is actually the high proportions of carbohydrates that tends to elevate multiple cardiovascular risk factors. So, and this has been relating to the higher mortality rate of cardiovascular disease due to added sugar. Hmm. It is true, high intake of carbohydrates can lead to elevated triglycerides levels. Um, however, this study is actually really amazing. It changes the ball game of us to view heart health differently. But this is just a cross-sectional study, and we cannot make a definite decision based on a single research as a guideline. So it is best to follow guidelines or CPGs, which consists a compilation of various studies. But this does not mean that we should completely avoid eating carbs. They play an important role in providing us energy and containing important nutrients for our body as well. It is about how we balance our macronutrient intake because each macro plays an important role in our overall health. So we need to learn how to fit a balanced amount of each macro in our diets. So when it comes to eating carbohydrates, here are three simple suggestions that we should be mindful of. First is to limit food that is high in processed, refined carbohydrates. They are normally foods that are high in calories and low in nutrition, such as donuts, pastries, and cakes. Secondly is to replace them and incorporate with complex carbohydrates and whole grains, such as legumes, brown rice, beans, fruits, and vegetables. And lastly, as a snack, uh, you can incorporate nuts and seeds into your meals because they contain healthy fatty acids, micronutrients, and fibers that can be a better alternative to replace your carbohydrate. Now that we have listened to so many informations and suggestions on carbs, fats, fiber, and others, I would like to ask this on behalf of the listeners. Is there a way for the patients to know or check if the food they are eating is actually good for them with an adequate amount of carbs, fats, or sodium? Well, I would suggest there are two ways you can go for it. One is you can actually download healthcare apps. There are many healthcare apps out there. You can check it out and download where you can fill in the food or your daily intake and they actually show a breakdown of all the macronutrients and certain micronutrients that you can keep track of. Secondly, is that you can actually make an appointment with a dietitian, where a dietitian will help you specifically and create an individualized diet plan suitable to your needs. So it's something really tailored and customizable to your lifestyle, which is, I would say, a much more better approach where we can actually help you to tailor your meals according to what you normally like to eat and your lifestyle. Yeah, um, that's interesting. And also, uh, we know that dietitian play a main role here. So, I've also heard a myth saying that having one or two glasses of red wine is good for the heart. Is this true? They are rich in antioxidants and there have been research in finding out the potential benefits when it's being uh, drunk in moderation. But there is no solid evidence on this recommendation and most research have included that there may be health benefits. So there's a maybe there. There is still a need for further research but from what I can share is that it's better taking whole grapes and berries as they are a good source of antioxidants 
than red wine. Although there is a certain health risk linked between, you know, when you're drinking too much alcohol. So it's better um, to get your antioxidants from foods that is likely to be more healthier than actually drinking wine. I see. So remember to drink moderately, guys. What about supplements such as fish oils, which contain omega-3 that are sold in the market? Would you recommend this to the patient? Is there any scientific evidence to support the statement? Um, there are proven benefits towards the intake of omega-3 fish oil supplements. First of all, it does reduce the progression of heart blockage for individuals with heart disease, uh, and it also reduces irregular heartbeats. And lastly, it does show evidence that it lowers blood triglycerides levels. But when it comes to me recommending whether or not a person should eat, it really depends on how whether or not the person can afford. Or if, let's say, it's inconvenient for you to eat whole foods, you can actually opt for omega-3 supplements. But for someone who cannot consistently afford these supplements, you can actually choose to consume whole foods that are high in omega-3 fatty acids, such as fish and seafoods. So normally, I would recommend two servings of fish per week, and it's good enough. For example, having mackerel, salmon, herring, sardines, tuna. Um, these are foods that are high in omega-3 fatty acids. Alright, I think our interview has come to an end. Do you have any takeaway message for the audience? Yes. So to those who are high at risk, I want everybody to remember the three C's. So check, change and control. So the first C, check your cholesterol levels. It is key to know the numbers. Change your diet and lifestyle to help to improve these levels, and lastly, control the cholesterol levels. How? You can always consult a doctor or a dietitian for help. So, healthy eating doesn't have to mean a strict diet or completely removing all your favourite foods. Based on the previous conversation, I was telling everyone to like limit, 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 and you know, replacing, replacing. So, it's more on also learning to ditch the junk food and incorporate healthy and nutrition foods to fuel your body needs. So it's very important to change your relationship with food by eating in moderation. Know what are the foods that are good for your body and make small changes in your daily meals. At the end, it's very important to work towards a healthy lifestyle. And like my previous podcast, it's also important to look at uh, flexible eating with the 80-20 rule. Meaning 80% of the time, you focus on consuming whole and natural foods. Then 20% of the time, you give yourself that leeway to enjoy your favorite unhealthy food. Like I mentioned before, it is not a scientifically proven uh, ratio to provide the best health benefits. But it is the essence of the concept that to build a flexible choice of food that you eat and also to build a healthy relationship with food. It is important to also know what food is beneficial for your body. And remember, diet is only one aspect of your overall health. Exercise, stress management, quality of sleep, hydration, lifestyle, smoking, family history are also the determinants that shape our lifestyle and health. It is a really complex interplay between the individual and the environment, but by understanding all these determinants, we can make those little changes and optimizing them. Thank you so much for the explanation, Simon. We are very much benefited from your sharing. We hope this episode has managed to give all the audience a better idea on the diet and its myths in relation to cardiovascular diseases. 
If you are interested to listen to more of our talks, please follow us on Spotify or iTunes. Do leave a comment or message on the Malaysian Medics International MMI page if you have questions for our speaker. Until the next episode, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye.